Good morning, church. Would you all pray with me? God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come to you. We can bring burdens. We can bring life's cares. You're mighty enough, you're strong enough to bear it all. And in fact, Christ did bear the weight, the punishment of our sin. And so we thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection, that we might have life in him, that we might have rest in him. We thank you for Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen. So on the outside looking in, or on the outside of people's lives, it appears like many people have things all put together. In fact, we sometimes even try to look like we have it all put together. But on the inside, if we could really see the heart of men... We would see many people carry burdens, many people have worries, anxiety that they carry along with them daily. And so many times we look to other things as an escape from anxieties and worries and burdens in life. We turn In the middle of a week, on a Wednesday, we look forward to the weekend coming where we can go to the lake, or we look forward to a month out when vacation comes and we get to go to the beach. And that's what we look forward to as our escape from reality, as our escape from burdens and the cares of life. And so many times we use other things as functional saviors, the things we look to to get us out of burdens and cares in life. We look for other things to bring us rest and to save us. And if you were paying closely attention to the words we just sang, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, that's a song we normally sing at Christmas. We sang it today because it's a petition to God. We long for you to come. We can't wait for you to come. We can't wait for you to bring rest. Listen to some of these lyrics we just sang. Come thou long expected Jesus. From our fears and sins release us. Let us not find our rest, or let us find our rest in thee. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Rule in all our hearts alone. Raise us to thy glorious throne. If there were ever some words in a song, they were petitioning God, we can't wait for you to, to set us free, for us to have final rest in you. I'm not sure of any other words. And even in that, as Charles Wesley penned them, you, you hear this longing, this expectation of ancient Israel looking forward to the Messiah who would come and who would set all things right and give his people final rest. And I think we too today long for the same thing. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. 
We're not to be looking to other things to bring us rest, looking forward to the vacation to come so that we can escape the duties of work or family. We're to be longing for, looking toward Christ in the middle of your work week, in the middle of difficulty. So let us come to Christ and receive true rest for our souls. We're going to be spending our time today in Matthew chapter 11. So if you would go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 816. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give this Bible to you. Just take that home. Let it be our gift to you today. So again, we're looking at Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. I'm going to read 25 through 27 as some context for us, but we're going to spend the bulk of our time in verses 28 through 30. And also, before I jump in, uh, students, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard Tom teach about how we read and we study the Bible, and that context is very important in the way that we read and we understand. And so I want to even give us a little context now. So in Matthew chapter 10, Christ sends out his disciples, and he even says, if, if the cities, the people in the cities don't receive you, then dust off your sandals and leave. You've done your, your duty, you've done what you're supposed to do. And then we get to chapter 11, and we see the disciples of John the Baptist come. John the Baptist is in prison. He sends his disciples to ask Christ, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that I'm... I'm leading to, I'm pointing to, are you really he? So we see this questioning of John the Baptist, but then even beginning in verses 20 through 24, we see Jesus speaking very directly about unrepentance and hardness of heart and not turning to him. And so then that leads us directly to this passage. Read with me now. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for you, for such was your gracious will, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So verses 25 through 30, they highlight the Father's divine sovereignty as well as human responsibility and the responsibility to to respond and assume or take on the yoke of Christ. J.C. Ryle sums up verses 25 through 27 in this way. He says, It's not for us to attempt to explain why some receive and believe the gospel, while others do not. The sovereignty of God in this matter is a deep mystery, but one thing at all events stands out in Scripture as a great practical truth to be had in everlasting remembrance, those for whom the gospel is hidden are generally the wise in their own eyes and the prudent in their own sight. Those who the gospel is revealed are generally humble 
and willing to learn. Let us watch against pride in every shape. Nothing is so likely to keep a man out of heaven and prevent him seeing Christ as pride. So long as we think we are something, we shall never be saved. And so we see in this passage, Christ says, come to me, enter my rest. And so there's this contrast between this pride and self-sufficiency causing people to reject Christ compared to those in humility recognizing they have a great need for Christ and an openness to Christ's care. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. So I want us to see two things today in this passage. The first is I want us to to see that we should come to Christ and receive rest. And that's from verse 28. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So Jesus stands in direct opposition to the religious people of this day, of the Pharisees. And he tells them to be dependent upon him. To love to be taught. And I think we see that in little children too, where kids are so often asking parents, what's this mean? What's that mean? In fact, you can't watch a football game with Matthew and hear any of the commentators because before they can talk about it, he sees the the yellow thing pop up on the screen that says flag. And he's at, why is there a flag, dad? He wants to know everything you can know about football. Unfortunately, his dad did not play football. But there's a hunger to learn. He's going to his father to ask those questions. He wants to find out. And we too should have this same humility, this same humbleness as we come to Christ as our good father. And Jesus is in opposition to these religious people who place heavy burdens on the people. If you were to look in Matthew 23, 4, it says, Christ says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. And lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So the Pharisees and the rabbis at this time, they were placing heavy burdens on people. There would be these laws, these rules, things that they shouldn't be doing, that people shouldn't be doing. But then they even concoct more laws to keep them from doing those things. So a modern day example would would be, do not get drunk with wine. So then these Pharisees would say, well, if we can't get drunk with wine, we're now going to totally abstain from alcohol. And in fact, I'm not even going to use it to cook. When the intent is not that you can't ever consume or that you can't ever cook with alcohol. The intent is that you would, instead of being drunk on a wine, that you'd be filled with the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would be controlling everything that you do. And so these Pharisees were doing the same thing. They would put heavy burdens on people. They would demand of the Jews and the Gentiles to obey the law in order to be saved through circumcision or dietary laws. But Christ says, come to me, all you who need rest. And we search for this. We all are searching for rest. Mick Jagger says it. And I can't get no satisfaction, right? He searches and he says, I can't get satisfaction in TV. Can't get satisfaction in girls are driving my car. And he rightly recognizes satisfaction 
True satisfaction doesn't come in anything else. It doesn't come in these things. But he doesn't recognize that it only comes in Christ. Christ says, come to me. Don't search anywhere else. Don't try to clean yourself up because you can't dust yourself off enough. You can't clean yourself up enough that I would receive you. So come to me. And we make a mistake by seeing God, our Father, as an overbearing taskmaster instead of a Father who, who hates to see His children ravaged by sin, burdened by sin. So we need to quit laboring. We need to quit wrestling. We need to quit like a child just saying, I have to stop this who's overcome by the weight of sin. I've even heard from my own kids, I can't, I can't be a good big brother. It's so hard, Dad. There's so many things I wrestle with. I can't be a big, good big brother. I can't stop. And the answer to that is you're absolutely right. You can't by yourself. You must see your need for salvation. Like a little child, come to Christ. He's not calling you to be naive. He's calling you to come humbly, submitting to Him. And our souls long for rest. They can't be satisfied. Can't be satisfied by vacations or food or a perfect spouse. So I'm asking you today to seek the goodness of Christ as we look to Him. Listen to this again. Verse 28, come to me. Christ is saying, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I, I will give you rest. There's an intimacy to this. He's not saying, go put off all your burdens. I'm not going to take them. I don't want them. He says, come to me as you are. I will give you rest. He says, I'm ready, I'm willing, please, please come to me. Don't you see I'm here for you? But even in this, this gentle plea, come to me, there's also a risk. There's a warning. You can't miss this rest. It's not guaranteed for everyone on this earth because he says, come to me and I will give you rest. So hear the warning. Christ is saying, this is an intimate, this is a close relationship I want with you and I will give you rest. But not everyone receives it. You have to come to me first. So don't miss this. Our sin has kept us from having an ongoing relationship unless we have come to Christ it separated us. And because of sin, we've lost peace, not just here on this earth, but we've lost peace forevermore in eternity unless we come to Him. Unless we see that Christ is this good Savior, this one who is gentle, who is humble. He won't say to you, you're not in good shape. He's not going to say to, to you, little sheep, as you come to him, your wool is all matted and dirty. 
Go take a bath, clean yourself up before you come to me. He wants you to come to him with wounds that he might heal, with matted wool that he might clean you up. And I can even imagine as Christ is speaking to the crowds here in Matthew 11, thinking back to Matthew chapter 9 when he looked at the crowds and spoke to them and saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Do you who are without Christ, do you hear this gentle call, come to me, sheep who are without a shepherd? I want to be the one who gives you rest. It's the only place you will find this true rest. Rest in Christ is ultimately freedom from sin and guilt, and it's an all-satisfying love in God. He doesn't, doesn't just free you from something bad, but he also says, come to me, I'm giving you myself. It's this all-satisfying love that we get from Christ. And we see in Hebrews chapter 4, we see the writer of Hebrews telling the people, There have been times in the past where God has given you rest. He's brought the people of Israel out of the the wilderness into the promised land. That wasn't final rest. And even times of rest that you have now, I think they're only supposed to be foreshadowings of the great, the true rest that's to come that we find in Christ. So first we need to see our need We need to see the goodness of Christ, but then also we need to receive the rest of Christ. And how do we enter this rest? Again, students, we're looking at the context. It's not just pulling a verse out by itself, but we're looking at it within context. Right before this, in verses 20 through 24, Christ is rebuking these towns and these cities for not turning to him, not repenting of their sin. And so this coming right after that, Christ is saying, repent of your sin and turn to me. Believe in me that I might be the one who gives you rest. And when you repent, you will experience no greater rest than the one that comes through Christ, through the forgiveness of sins. It is a joyous time. If some of you who are in Christ now, who have that rest, if you recall some of those times where you feel the burden of sin lifted off of you, this is a good rest. There have probably been no better times in your life than when you've experienced this. And those of you who have not experienced this rest, who are without Christ, I want to tell you, there is something to the rest of Christ that he offers that you can get from no other place. Only he can give this true rest. And it comes by this childlike faith. It comes with this position of humility, saying, Father, I come to you, Christ, I'm coming to you to learn from you, you who are gentle and humble. I need to learn the way of my Savior Because even the American culture tells us something totally different. If we look at the big picture of life, so many of us get consumed with American culture saying, work hard, play hard, work hard and get your money, save it so that one day you can retire. And then that day you finally get rest. Right? 
work 65 years and you'll finally have rest after you can retire. When Christ says that's not true rest, when you get to that point and you think you've got it, you'll then see it's quickly fleeting. That true rest doesn't come for a lack of work. Christ's rest is a unique rest. It is, it's a freedom from all burdens. Christ lifts our burdens, takes them away. He frees us from the need to be perfect because he himself was perfect when he took on our penalty for sin. He frees us from guilt and past error. He frees us of the relief of illness or failure. He frees you from the fear of rejection by a spouse, by a friend. He lifts a burden from you from feeling like you have to keep up a certain self-image. Christ's rest is this unique rest. And he doesn't just say, come to me and I'll get rid of all of life's cares for you. I'm not going to make life like you're on Paradise Island, kick back, relaxing the rest of life. But he says, take my yoke upon you. And yoke is used a few different ways in, in, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah and Isaiah, we see a yoke being a metaphor for this, this burden, this captivity that Israel's under. But then we also see in the New Testament, Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked in concerning marriage, right? And so I think even both of these imageries can be in play here. Because the Pharisees were placing these, these heavy burdens on the people. Christ says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. But then he offers us the intimacy of being yoked to him as well. I think both of these pictures describe it. And so this yoke is not a yoke of, of getting rid of all burdens. But it's come to me, all who work, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Just take on my yoke. Receive it. And so Christ calls us to first come to Christ and receive his rest. But then also the second point, he says, learn from me. So we should learn from Christ and remain in his rest. Listen to verses 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So first we need to learn from Christ. And we even hear shadows of this in, in Jeremiah chapter 6, 16. It says, watch and learn the ancient paths that you might know what is good and walk in them so that your souls find rest. So taking the yoke of discipleship or taking the yoke of Christ is this picture of learning, this picture of discipleship. It doesn't just come one time when we receive him, when we come to him, but it's this continual learning. Learn from me. Wear my yoke. And a yoke, an ox wears a yoke 
because his master has put it on him and he's to subject himself to the master. And we too, taking on the yoke of Christ, are subjecting ourselves to Christ. He's the one we're learning from. He's the one we're modeling ourselves after. He's the one that we want to become like. And Michael Wilkins, commentator, says this, The yoke of discipleship brings rest because Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. Jesus exemplifies the very characteristics his disciples display as members of the kingdom of heaven, gentleness, and humility. And so Jesus, he's not just a harsh taskmaster that says, you come follow me, you take my yoke, but he himself first exemplifies this gentleness, this humility that we are to take on, that we too are supposed to exemplify. And so he's not calling us to something that he's not himself already doing, right? Christ submits himself to the will of the Father at all times, even when it's not easy, even when it causes great grief and great stress to him. He submits himself. And so I would say to you and to me, let us learn from Christ even when it's difficult, no matter what it causes us to go through, that we might bear the image of Christ before people, that we might display this gentleness and this humility that Christ himself exemplifies for us. And so we need to learn from Christ, but we also need to remain in Christ's rest. We've talked a lot about rest, but what is a life without rest like? Some of you in here are experiencing this because you've never come to Christ and experienced his rest to begin with. But then some of you have come to him and submitted yourself to the yoke of slavery. But so often we get turned back to the cares of this world and we forget the yoke that we've, we've taken, the one that we submit to. And so often those of us who have submitted to the yoke of Christ are miserable because we have, in greater view, we're blinded by the cares of life instead of the one that we follow, the one that we listen to, the voice of the shepherd that we are to follow. So let's, let us rest in Christ. And it means that we face life head on. We don't try to escape burdens, but we face them head on and trust the character of God and the promises of God, even when it's difficult. Even when the world's closing in, your marriage seems like it's falling apart, things are happening in the family, things are happening at work, and it seems like the snowball coming down the mountain is just gaining mass and gaining speed as things seem to close in. Christ doesn't promise that nothing is going to happen difficult in life, but he says, come to me and I'll give you rest in the middle of this. And not just rest in this world, but I give you rest that is to come, that only comes through me. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. 
And this disobedience that some fall to is the disobedience of unbelief. And so here the writer of Hebrews is saying, strive to enter this rest. It's not easy. You can't work your way to it. But as you try to remain in it, you have to fight. You have to fight this fight of belief. You can't give up. Don't give in. Strive to follow me. Seek after me. Christ would say, you can't find it anywhere but me. But Hebrews tells us you have to strive for it. Strive for this rest. Long for it. Even as we sang earlier, we're longing in the middle of of burdens and life circumstances. We're longing for the coming of Christ. That we could remain in his rest. We can stay in his rest by fighting the fight of truth. Even reminding ourselves that this world is not our home. We're but mere sojourners as we go along. And we are to be pointing people to Christ as we go. And the heart of discipleship is walking with Jesus in the real world and having him teach us moment by moment to live life his way. And that can be difficult. It can be hard. We want to escape it quite often in ways that are not beneficial to us, in ways that aren't beneficial to others. And so we must come to Christ. We must remain in his rest. And I think there's even something that we as a church can do to help one another remain in this rest. Because this life is not just to be lived alone. Christ is calling the crowds, come to me. And I will give you rest. And so even he's calling this church, come to me and I will give you rest. And we can help one another in this fight. Hebrews chapter 3 again says, to exhort one another daily, so long as it's called today, that you might not be deceived by sin and that you might not be hardened by sin. And so it says, exhort one another. You can't exhort yourself. You have to exhort one another And so hopefully we're doing this with one another, but a very specific way that I think you guys can be involved in this. If you're not in a community group now, I would encourage you to be involved in a community group. That's what we seek to do, is that we would live life together, that we could encourage one another, that we could spur one another on towards Christ-likeness on Tuesday when it's difficult with a simple text message or with a phone call that says, you're not doing this week by yourself. I'm here for you, but I'm also lifting you up to the same one who calls us to rest in him. And so if you're not in a community group, I would highly encourage you, get in one, find one. And if it's full, you say, hey, I'm joining. Now it's time for us to multiply and have two groups. There's always room for you in a community group that we might not be deceived by sin, that we might not be hardened by sin, but that we would be lifting one another up, pushing one another towards Christ's likeness, that we might be able to fight this fight. 
that we might be able to fight unbelief and draw near to the one who says, come and rest in me. And so even as we do this within community groups or within just friends and relationships in the church, we need to exhort one another to trust the promises of God, to trust Him despite what life circumstances look like. And also we're going before Him who says, rest in me, that we're pleading with God, help me, give me faith, Give me yourself. And we can only do this when we see a need for Christ, that we've been separated from him because of sin. But then the same one who calls us, come to me, is the same one who gave his life, that you might have life, that you might experience this rest. And so some of you here today may have feelings of worthlessness, of shame, of helplessness because of sin in your life. And some of you may be on the very verge of coming to Christ yourself. And so I ask you now, do not turn away because you can miss the rest of Christ. Hear these words of of missionary David Brainer. He says, The conviction of my lost estate was sometimes so clear and manifest before my eyes that it was as if I had been declared, it is done, it is done. It is forever impossible for you to deliver yourself. And so I want you to hear this today. If you are without Christ, it is impossible for you to deliver yourself And hear these last words of David Brainer. He said, My soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness. I never before had felt such pungent and deep a sense of odious nature of sin as at this time. My soul then was unusually carried forth in love to God and had a lively sense of God's love to me, and this love and hope at that time cast out fear. Through infinite grace, found the Holy Spirit influencing my soul with love to God as a witness within myself. And so if you find yourself in this place today, where you feel the convicting of the Spirit, as you hear the words of Christ, come to me, that I might give you rest. Do not turn away. Do not miss it. See your need for Christ, but then as you turn to Him, see the goodness of Christ, the intimacy He wants with you because He gave His life for you. Because there is a warning, and the consequence of this text is the unceasing wrath of God if you don't turn to Him. And so I would ask you today to escape the prison of self-doubt, of worry, of self-reliance and anxiety by trusting God and resting in Him. And if you've done this already, then continue in Him. Continue coming to Him, submitting life to Him, submitting your burdens to Him, and even allow the church, one another, to come alongside you. 
Tim Keller says this about this passage. He said, it takes you right to the heart of Christianity and what it's all about. The younger you are, the more optimistic you are about the future bringing you happiness and rest. You have grand visions. The younger you are of how life's going to bring you happiness and rest as it unfolds and it draws near. But then listen to what he says. But as the years go by, you realize the optimistic future isn't so bright and promising. You realize the things that you looked for and might even find some happiness in. You realize there is more because it isn't bringing you absolute joy. And you also realize that it will be gone soon. So I'm asking you all today to come and receive the rest of Christ, but then also learn from Christ, take on the yoke of discipleship, learning from him, and remain in his rest. Would you all pray with me? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this promise of rest that Christ offers us. It is an intimate call. It's a loving call that we might be with him, that we might find ultimate and all-satisfying rest in Christ in this life, but also for the life to come. And so we thank you for that call. We thank you for this deep personal relationship he wants with us. But then I also ask that you would remind us of this warning that's there too. That if we deny, to, deny coming to him, we reject him, we reject his rest. So I pray that you would give all here today believing hearts. Hearts that don't just seek to escape burdens of life, but hearts that seek to be yoked to Christ and to receive him. Would you help us to remain in Christ, to remember his rest for all who are burdened and heavy laden. We thank you for Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Let's stand as we join in singing only.